Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you would, please, and open up to the book of Galatians. And I pray that that is your prayer that Christ would be magnified in your life. It is wonderful to be able to sing praises unto God when we're here with God's people. And you can stand if you would please. Thank you for those who are standing. And it's wonderful to be able to sing praises with God's people and to be able to think that we want Christ magnified in our life. And isn't it, I don't know about you, but it's so much easier to magnify Christ here than it is out there. And this week, I've just had to throw myself upon the mercy of Christ once again, over and over and over again. Just because you fight spiritual battles and you have spiritual warfare, And you want Christ magnified in your life, but then everything that Satan can throw at you, he throws at you. You, you want to walk the Christian life. You want to honor the Lord. You want him glorified in your life. But sometimes it seems like when you take one step forward, man, Satan's hitting you with an uppercut and then a straight left. You start to stumble back and what do you have to do? At times, the only thing that you can do and the only thing that I can do is truly just throw myself upon the mercy of Christ. I don't know how many times this week I've said, Lord, here I am again. I'm just throwing myself upon you. You know what I found? That even when those times it doesn't feel like Christ is being magnified in your life, that's when he's being magnified the most because you are totally thrown upon him. You're totally dependent upon him. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24... Paul's talking about what our life should reflect. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. If I was to entitle this message, I could entitle it two ways. The revelation of Jesus Christ or what are you projecting? The revelation of Jesus Christ or what are you projecting? Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11, the Bible says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither, neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. And afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in time past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here. I thank you for the service to this point, And thank you for how we were able to lift our voices in praise to you. Thank you for the reading of the scriptures. And thank you for how your word comforts our hearts. Now, Lord, you know I need you. You know I can't do this on my own, and I don't want to do this. I don't want this to be of the flesh. And Lord, I'm asking that your grace would work in and through me. And I pray that you would be with those here today that may be troubled in some way. I pray that you'd encourage their precious heart. And Lord, I also pray for those who may have some issues in their life, that Lord, that you would help them and use this word in their life. And the Lord, help us all to evaluate what our lives are projecting. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I say the names of these different individuals, what do you think? When I say the name, and I don't want any audible reaction, please. When I say the names like Donald Trump, Kamala Harris, Oprah Winfrey, Tiger Woods, Joe Biden, Larry Bird, Tom Brady, or for even some of you, Marsha Brady. What do you think of when you hear those names? There was a positive or a negative emotion that likely came to your mind. The reason for that is because you either like what those, the lives of those people project or you don't. See, each one of those people, they're known for something. Their life projects something. They have something that they are recognized for or they're known for. Let me ask you a question. What does your life project? 
what does your life project? See, when people look at you, when they see a picture of you, when a family member sees a picture of you, or your coworkers uh, uh, look at you, or your neighbors look at you, what do they think of you? See, what is your life about? See, in this passage, Paul puts his life on display for all to see. See, he's defending his apostleship and, and the gospel that he preached because he, he, he was being questioned. And he uses hard evidence. What's the evidence that he used? He uses his life. There were those who were questioning whether what he was saying was really true or what he was saying was really right. And they were questioning his motives that's why he says in verse 10, he says, do I seek to please men or God? Because these guys were saying, oh, well, he's just saying these things to be a man pleaser. He's just trying to, to draw a crowd. But if you read the couple of verses previous to that, he's saying, am I a man pleaser? I just curse these people to hell. That's not trying to please men. <laughs> That's what he says in that passage of Scripture. He says, I'm not trying to be a man pleaser, but these false teachers, they're trying to be the men pleasers. He says, look at my life. And the evidence that he uses is his life. See, your life is saying something. You're projecting something to people. Do you know what the life of every believer is supposed to be? Do you know what the life of the believer is to project at all times? At all times the reason I say that is because there are certain places we let our hair down don't we the life of the believer is always to be, reject, to be projecting the gospel the life of a believer is to be about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul uses his life to show us how we can project the gospel. I want you to take a look here first. What does he do? He states his pre-conversion life. So for you and I to be able to project the gospel to others around us, we state our pre-conversion life. Take a look at verses 13 and 14. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that they beyond measure, uh, uh, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. See, his life is being questioned by these false teachers that he was really not the apostle that he said he was and that he was really not teaching the complete gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they were saying, Jesus is fine to believe. Jesus is fine. You can believe Jesus, but you must also keep the law. And Paul is going to use his pre-conversion life as evidence to show that who he was and what he preached was true. You know, if you were to study the life of Paul, you would find out that Paul was intense, to say the least. He was the best of the best when it came to his religion. 
Paul was a prized young rabbi. He, you, you would describe him as the next superstar in Judaism. He would be, he would be like uh, one of those uh, uh, Christian uh, pastors out there, the well-known ones, the, you know, the superstar pastors. That's where Paul would be. He would be all over Twitter. He'd be all over TikTok. He'd be all over Snapchat and Chapsnat and Facebook and Twitface and all of them. He'd be all, all of them. He would have an Instagram following bigger than anybody around. I mean, he was an up-and-comer. And in verse 13, he states before his conversion, when he was caught up in the Jewish religion, that he did everything that he could to persecute the church and waste it. See, what you got to understand is, listen, Paul, listen, Paul hated Christ. Paul hated Christ. He looked at Christ as an imposter. Not only did he hate Christ, but he, hate Christ, he hated Christianity. He saw Christianity and Christ as blasphemous to God. And Paul says his previous life. By the way, that's what that word convert, uh, conversation means in the Old English. He's not talking about the way that he talked. He's saying there, when it says there, uh, conversation, he's talking about his manner of life, the way that he lived. He's talking about the way that, that he conducted himself. So Paul says his previous life, he did everything in his power to destroy the people of the way. That's what Christians were called at that time, the people of the way. He did everything that he could do to destroy the church. It says, he uses the term that he persecuted the church. It, that's a systematic organizing of a, prog of a program to oppress and harass people. It's to pursue to the point of driving out. He wanted to eliminate every single Christian. It says also there that not only did he persecute, that he wasted the church. And that has to do with to attack with the intent or result of destroying. He was on a mission. And it is also noted that Paul also took violence and brought brute force against uh, Christians. Take a look in Acts chapter 8, if you would, please. Turn there, if you would, in Acts chapter 8. Paul is using his pre-conversion life. And have, have you ever been able to uh, try and, and, and share with somebody the gospel, maybe a family member, and they know you before you got saved? And you know what you think most of the time? think, oh no, they knew the way I was before I got saved, and therefore, I probably can't share the gospel with them. I mean, I used to party with them. I used to do drugs with them. I used to uh, uh, mess around and all that kind of stuff, and, and you're thinking, oh no, how can I share Christ with them? You know, Satan's using that to try and keep you from sharing the gospel. Paul's showing us here that we can use our pre-conversion life to be able to help prove that the gospel is true, that it really works, that it's salvation of God. See, Paul was a very, very intense man against Christianity. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, we see that the brute force and the violence that took place underneath the watchful eye of Paul. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, And Saul, that's Paul, was consenting unto his death. This is the, uh, uh, Stephen, 
the first martyr. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Paul was wreaking havoc in the church. He was putting people to death for being a Christian. But I want you to notice something. Not only was he trying to destroy Christianity, he was also doing everything that he could to advance Judaism. In verse 14, the Bible says, And profited the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul's saying, hey, I want you to know, I was the leading rabbi of my time. I was out in front advancing the law. So not only was he trying to destroy the truth, he was propagating a false gospel. I think you can get, start getting the picture of Paul. This guy was a murderer of Christians. He killed some of our brothers and sisters of years going by. This guy was trying to wipe out Christianity. He hated the one that we have just lifted up our voices to be able to worship. And then he did everything he could to advance the law. To say that he was zealous, which means totally committed to the religion of Judaism is an understatement. I'll put it to you this way. If religion was a race, Paul would be in the lead. He was a fanatic. He was an over-the-top legalist at every level of his life. And Paul was stating who and what he was to show his pre-conversion life and to be able to help promote the grace of the gospel. Don't allow Satan to keep you from sharing the gospel. To keep you from projecting the gospel in your life because of your past life. Do you realize that God can use that? You might have to say to some of your relatives, you might have to say, yes, you're right, I did do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, I, I was involved with that. Yeah, I cheated, I stole, I, I got high, I did this, I did that. And yeah, I've been in jail, I've murdered somebody, I've done all those things. You're absolutely right. That's what I was, and I was hell-bound on doing that. You know that about me, don't you? I could care less about anything about the things of God. You're absolutely right. That was my life. Your life can project the gospel by the use of your former life. Number two, not only do you state your pre-conversion life, you state your conversion life. Take a look at verses 11 and 12. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now jump down to verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately 
I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and, again, and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. You need to state your conversion life. See, these false teachers, as I mentioned to you just briefly a few moments ago, were claiming that Paul was not an apostle. He wasn't an apostle and that he was not preaching the gospel. And now Paul uses his conversion to show the grace of the gospel. He shows that what he was preaching was from God. In verse 12, Paul states that he was making known, he was revealing, he was explaining to them, once again, the gospel that he preached was not after man. One individual put it this way, Paul is emphasizing the divine origin of the gospel and the freedom of grace. See, Paul is stating here in this portion of Scripture that his gospel did not come by way of tradition of men. Listen, there's a lot out there that's called the gospel that comes from the tradition of men and is not the gospel. Just because the church, and I use that term very broadly, just because the church says it's the gospel or that you ought to follow this does not make it the gospel. If it doesn't line up with the book, then it's not the gospel doesn't matter which man says it. It doesn't matter what clerical garb he wears. It doesn't matter how revered he is by other religious entities. The simple fact of the matter is that the gospel is not bound by traditions of men and it's not founded upon the traditions of men. The gospel is from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the gospel. Paul saying that, look, what I'm preaching to you, I didn't receive it from man. I, I, it wasn't taught to me by man. See, he's emphasizing that unlike these false teachers who received what they were teaching from men, Paul didn't receive the gospel from men. He says, I received the gospel from what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. See, that's to be, uh, the revelation is to cause something to be fully known. To, to uncover something. That's what the, uh, what the word revelation means. See, what you need to understand, Paul knew the gospel before his conversion. That's how he caused Christians to blaspheme. So he knew it here. He knew that they were saying, well, Jesus Christ is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. He knew what the word of God had to say. He knew of the gospel but he did not know the gospel. He had heard it, but it never became real to him. Why is that? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul puts it this way. Paul speaking to the church of Corinth here. Why he did not receive, why he could not understand it. He knew about it. And you know what I would say to you, to friends uh, this morning? There are many people that sit in pews just like you do or chairs just like you do all across the country and they know of the gospel, but they don't know the gospel. And let us 
to never assume in our church the gospel. We must teach it over and over and over again. Why? Because the gospel is not just for the unsaved, but the gospel is for the saved. I had to, as I mentioned to you in the beginning of my message, that I had to throw myself once again upon the mercy of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what we do at salvation. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again. One of the things that concerns me as a pastor is when you, when you have kids and they grow up in the church. You say, what? Yeah, that concerns me. Well, where else would you want them to grow up? I wouldn't want them to grow up anywhere else. But many times we assume that they know what the gospel is. We assume that they've accepted Christ because they've, hey, they've been here since they've been uh, five years old. They've gone on. No, the simple fact of the matter is we must continually teach and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That all men are sinners. That all need a Savior. That Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin and rose three days later according to the scriptures. Paul said, yeah, I knew the gospel, but I didn't. Or I knew of the gospel, but I didn't know it. Why is that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, friends. Look there. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Because they're spiritually discerned. See, we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to... Open up our eyes so that we can receive the gospel. Paul says it was Jesus Christ who revealed the gospel to him. And see, friends, it's not about who led you to the Lord. So and so led me to the Lord. So and so led me to the Lord. Guess what? I've led plenty of people to the Lord. I, I need to be leading more people to the Lord. I haven't led enough people to the Lord. And I'm sure you've led people to the Lord. But guess what? I wasn't the one that opened up their eyes to the gospel. It was the power of Jesus Christ who opened up the blinded eyes so that they could see the glories of the grace of the gospel. Paul states, turn to Romans chapter 16 because I want you to see this, because Paul states that when Jesus Christ revealed it to him, he calls it his gospel. It was so overwhelming to Paul. Now remember, this is the guy that hated Christ. This is the guy that, that hated Christianity. This is the guy that killed Christians. This is the guy that wreaked havoc upon the church. And now he says, this is my gospel. Take a look at Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Now, I, I want to explain that to you very quickly because you might say, well, see, he's agreeing with the, with the false teachers. He was preaching uh, his gospel, something that he made up. No, that when he says my gospel there, it was to show that the gospel had been uniquely given to him by Christ. He wasn't making anything up. It was Jesus Christ who revealed to him the gospel of grace. In verses 15 through 22, Paul goes on to prove that his conversion and the gospel were uh, from Jesus Christ. He says uh, uh, that he was called by the grace of God. Listen, friend, is that not true? 
of all of us? Listen, if you haven't been called by the grace of God, you, you're not saved. The, the only way that you can be saved is be called by the grace of God. And then Paul goes on to state how he did not talk with other apostles in verse 16. He says, I didn't confer with any other apostles. I didn't ask you, that word confer means I didn't ask any other advice from anybody else. See, Paul is showing that the grace of God that called him and revealed Christ to him was the grace of God that he was preaching. Paul was preaching a law-free gospel because it was a law-free gospel that he received from Christ. And Paul goes on to state in verses 17 and following the different places that he went after his conversion. He went into Arabia after three years. You say, well, why is this mentioned in Scripture? What does this have to do with anything? Paul is using his life as evidence that it's only the grace of the gospel that saves. It is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You know what I find interesting? It says that he, he stayed in Arabia for three years. Now, let me just, let me just uh, this isn't Bible. This is personal. But I got a personal thought on this. I find it interesting that those, those religious leaders, the Judaizers, were saying that Paul wasn't an apostle. How many years did Jesus spend with his 12 apostles? Three. And it says that he went into Arabia for three years. Most think that he probably went into another part of Damascus, which was part of Arabia at that time, and that it was in a desert place. And so Paul's being accused of not being an apostle. Now he's in Arabia for three years. My personal thought, this is not scripture, my personal thought is that he was taught by Jesus Christ personally, just like the original 12 apostles for, the la for those three years in Arabia. There can be others that would disagree with me, and you have every right to be wrong. But I believe Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put that in there just to let us know. He's showing us that, look, this was my life. I didn't ask any advice from anybody else. Then it says in verses 18 and 19 that he goes to Jerusalem for, for 15 days. It says there that he uh, talked with two people, James, and I think it was Peter there, in the, in the context, in, in the text there, and that's it. What is he doing? He's showing the Galatians that, look, what I'm preaching to you is not of man. There was no time for me to get this gospel from any other man, to be taught it by any other man. Then Paul gives an oath. He says, look, I'm telling you, I'm not lying to you. I'm stating the truth. And he says, then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And he says, I was unknown to the churches in Judea. I didn't go over there. Now remember, the, Galatia, the, the, the false teacher is saying, you were not an apostle. What you're getting, you got it from those apostles in Jerusalem. You were taught it by them in Jerusalem. Now go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 1. Look how long it was before he went back to Jerusalem. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. He's saying, look, 
this gospel that I'm preaching to you is a law-free gospel. It is a grace-filled gospel. I did not receive it from anyone but Jesus Christ. See, Paul was showing that he was preaching the gospel that God had given to him. You know what he's saying? God gave me a purpose. And he understood that that purpose was from God. And he was chosen. There was a chosen task. It says that he was separated and that God had an eternal plan for his life. William Barclay says it this way, God sends every individual into the world with a part to play in his purpose. It may be a big part or it may be a small part. It may, be to do, it may be to do something which the whole world will know or something of which only a few will ever know. And the point is that you are to use your conversion life to project the gospel of grace. Let me show you. You know what he's saying? Let me tell you what Christ has done in my life. See, you can use your pre-conversion life to be able to help project the gospel. You can use your conversion life to be able to help project the gospel. And then number three, you state your post-conversion life. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in time past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed, and they glorify God in me. See, Paul states that these churches in Judea uh, had only heard that he used to persecute the church. They wouldn't have known him if he had walked into their church. He ne they never saw him face to face. But what they heard was the same guy that was causing Christians to die, the same guy that was persecuting the church, the same guy that was causing Christians to blaspheme, is now the same guy preaching the gospel which he once fought against. You know the best, one of the best ways to prove that the gospel is real in your life is your post-conversion life. How do you live now? See, our whole life is to be about projecting Christ, projecting the gospel of grace. And there are many Christians today who we've got our fire insurance and we know we're not going to hell, but we want to live just like the world. And I would tell you, friends, though we don't live underneath the law and we live underneath the grace of Jesus Christ, that it's because of grace I'm obedient unto my Father. I, I'm not obedient in order to gain grace. You've got it backwards. Your post-conversion life is to project the gospel. What does it say? It says that they glorified God because of what they had heard. This is Paul's post-conversion life. He was preaching the gospel of grace. His life was about the gospel and seeing people come to the saving knowledge of the gospel and then growing in the gospel. That's what he lived for. That's what his life projected. Let me ask you something. 
what's your life projecting? You know what I find interesting in this passage of Scripture? When it says that these, these churches had only heard about Paul, it says that they glorified God about what they heard. You know what we've, we don't find? We don't hear any criticism of his gospel from these churches. We don't hear any criticism of him not being an apostle. We don't hear his, the criticism of uh, any, any uh, relationship to other apostles. There's not a single derogatory thing from any of the churches in Judea about Paul. But the exact opposite was true. They were glorifying God for what Paul was preaching and how God had changed Paul's life. Paul's life was projecting the gospel. Now let me ask you something. Are others glorifying God because of what your life is projecting? Or do they think, man, there's nothing wrong to think this, but this shouldn't be the first thought. Man, she's an awesome cook. Man, that guy knows how to swing a hammer. Man, they're, they're a sharp dresser. None of those things are wrong. I'm not saying that. But is that really what your life is projecting? Should not we, church, be the ones that are projecting the gospel even amongst each other more than anyone else. We're a family. We ought to be growing in the gospel, encouraging one another in the gospel, helping one another in the gospel, preaching the gospel to each other, encouraging each other in grace and in mercy. Man, that guy, man, he, I tell you what, you want to know somebody to be able to help you with your fantasy football team, man, he can. You ask that same individual, hey, would you mind taking your Bible and going across the street and sharing the gospel with, you, with your neighbor? And that's, oh, my pal. Man, I can't memorize scripture. 1984, ba, 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 and they can. And I'm not against those things. Those things aren't wrong. But if I were to say to you the name Apostle Paul, what did his life project? Any one of you that have ever read the scriptures at least through one time would be able to say, the gospel. And friends, I got a question for you. If it wasn't important for all of us to project the gospel, then why would this portion of scripture be in here? Oh, I could have preached it to you from a historical point, and I gave you some historical things. I could have given you some doctrinal and some theological concepts that we can draw from this, and it can be very scholastic. But the simple fact of the matter is, this was a love letter written to us from, uh, written to us from God so that we would know how to live to be able to please him. So ask yourself, what's your life projecting? Is there enough evidence for you to be convicted of your life 
projecting the gospel. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done, is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.